When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to West Indies on 99.94. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my partner in crime, Santoki Nagilendran. On today's show, we're going to be chatting about the West Indies T20 side. Santoki, take it away. Yeah, so Michelle, we're here looking at the T20 side. We're not going to call it T20 woes as we did with the ODI woes. Let's call it the T20 transition because this time last year, Michelle, we were confident. We were proclaiming everywhere across all platforms that West Indies were going to win the 2021 World Cup. Unfortunately, it did not go to plan. We crumbled partly down to playing in the UAE and partly it was just too much for a lot of our aging superstars who were part of this dynasty that West Indies had built. If we just talk about some of the names that have either retired or been dropped or not played for West Indies since that World Cup, boy, I don't think we've ever seen such a transition for a T20 international side, but we've got, so we've got Kyron Pollard's retired, DJ Bravo retired, Lendl Simmons has retired, Chris Gale's no longer part of the team, Evan Lewis, Andre Russell haven't played since the World Cup. Sunil Narayan hasn't played in about three years. Who else am I missing? Ravi Rampal hasn't played since the World Cup. So, Michelle, that's a good six or seven world-class players who we've sort of lost from the side. And it's up to now young Nicholas Poran to sort of rebuild the side. The only problem is we're about, what, two months away from the World Cup, uh, the next World Cup in Australia. So, um, I mean, there's been some promising signs over the past few months in the T20 side, but we're here to deep dive, Michelle, into the current West Indies T20 side and analyse their chances at the World Cup in Australia. Yeah, I guess Dwayne Bravo's song that he recorded for the T20... T20. For the 2021 World Cup, um, it's not going to be applicable for the 2022 World Cup. But just one last time, it's only... Licks when we touch down. <laughs> but who, who's Antoki are the licks going to be for? But no, you're right. Listen, that's, um, that's a, a, when you properly say those names on paper, that, that I think you and I, um, in fact, lots of people spoke about it, not just you and I, but it, I think lots of people made that, um, that parallel between Spain. Spain was the best parallel I think people use. So that Spain side that won the 2008 World Champs, the 2010 World Cup, then the 2012 World Champs, then they tried to go one more tournament effectively with the same side and got completely licked down in the 2014 World Cup out in the group stages. And I think they've then had to go through a revamp. And even now in 2022, Spain are back but they're not actually back in terms of being proper title contenders and it's kind of the same with the with the West Indies but with an unforgiving West Indian public the the time gap that uh that um, Nicholas is being given and Phil Simmons by proxy to develop another championship winning side is basically a couple of games because people will cuss them if this team doesn't 
suddenly perform immediately. And what's what's interesting to me, Santoki, is post-World Cup, we've brought in the exact players that people wanted pre-World Cup. And arguably, you could say, are we... <laughs> Are we any further on? I mean, we're making piecemeal improvements, but if we're going to be realistic, Santoki, we've gone from being a champion T20 dynasty that essentially showed everybody else how to play the game to now just being... I think we're just a bit of an any side now. We'll win some, we'll lose some, but we're certainly not trendsetters. We're certainly not... Um, leading the way, we're just in the pack somewhere, and probably nearer the the kind of lower mid table aspect of the pack. Like it's it's interesting because for us, we're having to get used to knowing that we're just an NET twenty side, the team that basically set the whole format up with the players that set the whole format up, and now we have to deal with just being we're just also rants in the T twenty format. So it's it's a it's a massive and as you say, this cannot be under understated how much of a transition this is. Yeah, I think um, we're. Teams used to play catch-up with us. We used to be trendsetters, as you rightly said. Our ability to clear the boundary was unparalleled. But we've seen teams catch up and we've sort of fallen behind to the point where you don't know the T20 side, you don't know what our clear philosophy or strength is. We're sort of, as you said, a, a middling team. We're not, we're not, we don't really have any strengths. We're just there in the mix. Obviously, in a World Cup, anything can happen. You put a good run together, you can get to the final. But it's interesting as well, Mash, as you said, this sort of desperation from the public to try and fill the void from these legends has led to the likes of Odeon Smith, Romario Shepard being fast-tracked into the side on the basis of good CPLs last year and also getting big, big IPL deals. Even IPL franchises were like, okay, we hope these guys can replicate what the previous generation does. And if it if they can, it will pay off massively for us. Unfortunately, we haven't seen that. We've seen a lot of inconsistency, particularly like Romario Shepard. But we have seen some players, you know, unexpectedly come into the side and do well. So I guess it, it, it's mixed fortunes. But for those of us who, you know, the glory days, 2012, we won the World Cup. 2014, we lost on Duckworth Lewis when it was debatable that we could have done a chase. 20, 28, um, 16, we won the World Cup again. That golden generation, that run, it's going to be very hard to replicate that with this side. And I think that will be very, very disappointing to fans because... As much as we dwindled in the test arena and the ODI arena, the T20 had been the shining light, the kind of gloss for us. It was like, it doesn't matter if we're poor in the longer formats. We've got T20, we dominate that. We can no longer say that, which is going to be a massive, massive mind shift for a lot of fans. And as you rightly said, Phil Simmons and Poran, they're going to get cutouts because fans have such high expectations for this T20 side in particular. But Michelle, let's get to it then. Let's talk about this side Poran's got now. We've lost Simmons, Lendl Simmons, Chris Gale, Evan Lewis. So that's created voids for two openers in the side. And we sort of, do you think we found it in Carl Mayers and Brandon King? I mean, the stats say that I think, is it second? I think they're third. I think they've got the third most 50 plus opening partnerships in West Indies uh, T20 history. I think it's four now they're on, or maybe it's five that they're on, but they're the third, they've got the third most. So the first thing we have to say is there is some, there is somewhat of a blossoming partnership developing between King and Mayers. And obviously they'll look at the right hand, left hand thing. 
I think what I mentally and possibly other West Indian fans have to get their head round is they're not, I have to say this carefully because people might misconstrue what I mean here. Neither is a household name Mm -hmm. yet. So sometimes you can tell yourself, ah, well, they're not that good, but that's possibly confusing the fact that they're not established world beaters. Neither one's an IPL player, for example. I'm not saying you have to be an IPL player to be a, a to be a household name, but I'm kind of I'm saying that you need to be an IPL player to be a household name. Brandon King's never got an IPL deal. Carl Mayer's got one of those kind of backup backup deals, if if that makes sense, to just be a squad player. So people have to get past the fact that they haven't properly established themselves yet in the franchise circuit yet. Um that said, you can't argue with the numbers. At, at current, those two are producing. And if the World Cup was tomorrow, that would be our opening pair. Um, and to be fair, particularly to Carl Mayers, more so than Brandon King, I really like Carl Mayers at the top. And the reason why I like Carl Mayers at the top is, is he going to come off all the time? No. But is he going to waste time not coming off? No. So I would never expect to see Carl Mayers play a match losing innings at the top. If it comes off, he's going to score and he's going to score quickly. If it doesn't come off, he's going to get out and he's going to get out quickly. And to be honest, Santogi, I prefer that from my openers than just hanging around, stinking up the place, playing playing a match-losing uh, knock at the um, at the top of the inning. So I've got plenty of time for Carl Mayers. And before you come in with your viewpoint on it, Santogi, there's a, there's a problem here. What if Evan Lewis does come back? So I want you to, I want you to look at it from that angle. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting because there's two. They've got defined roles. Um, we've seen in the past Brandon King can tee off, but in this side, it's uh, he's trying to he almost tries to create a stable opening and not lose his wicket and get the runs like that. While Carl Mayers is the one who tees off. Um, just to give some statistical context, Carl Mayers is the leading has the leading strike rate this year in T20Is in the power play 144, which is remarkable. Um, but then as you said, the dilemma comes into it. It's a good dilemma to have if Evan Lewis suddenly does become available after CPL because we know he's not been picked for the New Zealand T20Is um, later this month. So if he does come back and is put into the side after CPL, do we discard Brandon King and this successful partnership in favour of let's get a blistering opening, Carl Mayers, Evan Lewis swinging from the top? That could work. That could come off. Um, but it would be unfair to Brandon and King. But I guess at this point, for, for a World Cup, you have to pick. You can't let emotions get in the way. You have to pick your best available. So my personal instinct would be I would go with Evan Lewis and Carl Mayers just because we've seen a lot of T20 international sides have two two openers who can strike great 150 and get the team off to a good start. Um, so I would go with that. And I think a massive concern is at the moment, we're treading on thin ice because if Brandon King or Carl Mayers are injured, what are we saying? Is Shamar Book's going to open at the T20 World Cup for us? <laughs> if you'd have told me last year, we went from the GOAT dynasty, you know, Gail, Lewis, Lendl Simmons, to Shamar Books, you know, who was a, a Red Bull, a decent Red Bull player last year. Shamar Books leading the line at the T20 World Cup. Mash Arda said, what rum you been drinking? 63%. <laughs> Do you know what? I... I haven't even looked at it like that, you know. I haven't even... Shamar Brooks is the backup opener, you know. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, in, in that context, you're absolutely right. Um, I I suspect the door is closed on Evan, but the only way for Evan to open the door is to have 
like an outrageous CPL. And if he has an outrageous CPL, I think Cricket West Indies selectors would come under huge public pressure to not include Evan Lewis um, for the World Cup. But for now, it's definitely King and Mayers. But you see where my issue more so is at the moment, Santoki. And in fairness, actually, before I get there, it's important to point out to people. So since the World Cup, our record, um, so in 2022, obviously we played Pakistan for three T20s straight after the World Cup. I'm not even including those games. Um, forget that. I think I think Puran was the captain for that. Pollard didn't even go. But mm. in 2022, our record is uh, 1-6, lost 7. And so that uh, that includes five uh, T20s versus England, three versus India away. It was supposed to be three versus Bangladesh at home, but one was no results. So two versus Bangladesh at home. And of course, currently we've played three versus India at home. So one, six, lost seven kind of echoes my point, Santoki, that we're just, we're just there. We're just like a middle inside. We'll win some, we'll lose some. I don't think we've got a side that has the capabilities to put together an unbeaten run to a world title. Um, and we'll talk about the World Cup itself uh, later on in, in, in the show. But we're not a weak side. We're just a... And I think you put, you actually hit the nail on the head. I can't tell you our identity at the moment. Hence why we win some, we lose some. And part of the reason why I can't tell you our identity, Santoki, lies in what happens from number three to, let's say, number seven, right? At the moment, we, we've got just a range of, let's say, top to middle order batters in, in, in our T20 side. So I'll just call some names. Puran. Hetmeyer, Rovman, currently Devon Thomas, Jason Holder. Oh, let's throw in those lower order bats as well. Oldean Smith, Romario Shepard. I'm probably missing someone out there. I don't know who, right? My thing is, my, my thing is this. I've long believed that in T20 cricket, there's no such thing as this is your set position in the order, right? Maybe number three, but even then, because it depends on how much of a start the openers have got in the power play and so on and so forth. So we have a set of batters who are fluid. We could bring Hetmeyer in at three. We could bring Puran in at three. You might want to bring Rothman Powell in at three. You might want to bring Odin Smith in to pinch hit, depending on whatever the scenario is. You might want to bring in Jason Holder to counteract spin. I don't know. But what I guess I'm getting at Santoki is, is that hindering us or is that, helping us. And also to further complicate the issue, we've got a bunch of players who, when they go and play IPL, they're being used as finishers. Hetmeyer's a finisher now. Odin Smith is supposed to be a finisher. Romario Shepard's supposed to be a finisher. Rothman Powell's supposed to be a finisher. And then they come to this West Indies side, and I'm just wondering, does that hinder us that they're developing skills in franchise leagues to finish off the innings, but no one's really a top-order bat other than Puran. Well, what's your, what's your views on that? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think we've got fluid roles, but I think at this time, the players don't know how to adapt. So, for instance, Puran coming in at number three, he seems to obviously try and rotate strike, goes under under 100 strike rate. That's not Puran's natural game. Same with Hetmeyer coming in at four. It's almost as if they think, OK, we're batting so high up, we need to play like slow cricket, steady cricket to try and steer the ship. When you think they can do a lot more based on their ability to clear boundaries and finishing. So I think there's just confusion about who does what 
in their role. So I, I think Hetmeyer and Poran need to work out at number three, you can still go at a fast rate. You don't have to play sort of almost like ODI cricket to try and stabilise the innings. Um, and then, as you said, it's just... There's just a lack of, like, once you have players who can move up and down the road, Jason Holder coming in at number three, got a duck. It just leads to a lot of confusion. I think at this point, because it's young players or inexperienced, they're not particularly young, but inexperienced at international level, I think it would probably help them to have set roles and just have a few games playing in those set roles just so they can kind of work out where they are, where their game's at and what their definitive role is in the side just to provide more clarity to the team as a whole. Darren Ganga, um, during the Third, I think it was during the third T20 versus India, was made an argument that going forward, given it's a World Cup year, Puran should be three, Hetmeyer should be four, and that's it. There's no changing from that from that position. Give Puran and Hetmeyer as much games at three and four now until the World Cup, so they are clear that that is the expectation of them when the World Cup comes. And I, I was doing like a live watch along at the time, so we were we were discussing it. Um, in the chat about is Ganga right on that? Yes or no? Now I've had some more time to ruminate on what Ganga's thinking there. And actually, initially I said, I think Ganga's wrong because you should have more fluidity than just it's Hep- it's Puran three and Hep by a four. But yes. then I thought about it and I thought, but hold on, Ganga's got a point. Because both Hetmeyer and Puran have the game to strike at 180. So why hmm. shouldn't they be? Why shouldn't they be three and four? It's not like they can't go from ball one but they're not going to learn to do that unless they're told it over and over again, you are coming in three at four, get on with it. Like you have to build these innings for us and lay the foundation for a Rovman or a whoever else it is that comes in there, the back end. Would you agree with Ganga or disagree? It's, it's, it's a tricky one, you know. I think I think Puran's done so well at three against India, um, even though we lost that series away in India um, earlier this year. He scored, what, 60 in all three innings. Um, Bangladesh as well, we hit him, saw him hit big scores over 70. I think he sort of nailed that role on. Hetmeyer is a tricky one because he's only just come back into the side. So do you want to put that pressure on him, giving him a definitive role? Are you saying we have no other batsman who can bat higher up? Um, so I'd agree Puran should be our number three just because he has performed well in it. And he's obviously captain, so he, he can have more of a say in what where he wants to bat. If he's happy batting at three, he's one of our strongest batsmen. Go for it if he's being successful. Hetmeyer, the jury's out for me just because he's just made it back into the side. I don't know whether we we need to explore him trying out different roles before defining him by saying, you're batting at number four. Here we go. And then and then that raises the question. I've got two players in particular. You know, you know probably where I stand on this, but now that Jason is back, and rightly so, because in the context of all-rounders in this format, Jason is probably the the number one option in the region that you turn to, right, in terms of pace mm-hmm. all-rounder. Does that leave a spot for Oldine Smith and or Romario Shepard, or should neither? Would you Do you feel that either of those two should be anywhere near a West Indies first 11? I think they're the exact same player. I think Oldine... <sighs> maybe Odin's slightly better with the bat and Romario's slightly better with the ball. But my issue is, Santoki, I never feel 100% confident with either one with the ball. I always feel like, boy, they could go for huge licks today. And I just don't know how much time we've got. How much more time have we got to have faith in them 
ahead of World Cup? Should either of them be touching the West Indies side at this stage? Or if you're going for one, because it shouldn't be two, I don't think either, I don't think we can afford to have both of them in the side. But if you're going for one, which one are you going for? That's a good point. I think, as you said, I, I don't think you can't have both of them in the side. As you rightly said, they sort of seem to lose composure if their first over isn't going well. It comes, everything just comes off the tracks, really. Particularly with Romario Shepard at the death. We've seen him take big licks over the last two years. Um, I think Odeon Smith slightly edges it for me based on the batting and his bowling is slightly tighter than Romario Shepard. So I think Odeon for me slightly edges it. Um, I'm not sure whether they would make my first. If I, if it was a World Cup final, I don't think Odeon Smith would be in my 11. For I think you do need to play him though because in a World Cup, you're going to rotate squads due to the amount of games. So I think he's sort of like a first 11 fringe player. He's not guaranteed in the first 11. But out of the two match, to answer your question, I would go with Odeon over, over Romario going against my Guyanese bias, you know. <laughs> Listen, the whole of Guyana is about to come for you. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? Who would you listen, go listen. for? Santoki just went for the Jamaican Odin Smith <laughs> <laughs> over his own country, brethren. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Um, I, I think Odin's ability to hit hard lengths and Odin's ability to also bowl over ninety possibly gives him the edge. His inability to bowl with control. But then arguably you'd say that Romario's inability to bowl with consistent control works against him as well. It's a toss-up. It's a toss-up for me. I just know that I don't want to see both in the team. I'm only Mm. willing to accept one and it's a toss-up. We'll put that one out to, 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 to you, the audience listening. If you had to go for one, who are you going for? But Santoki, you were out at the T20 World Cup. You saw one of the greatest, um, match losing innings of all time. (laughs) <laughs> from Lendl Simmons. But that notwithstanding, um, that match losing innings notwithstanding, one of the biggest problems at the World Cup, um, and it kind of went under the radar because everyone was so focused on our batting walls and our, like, everyone was so focused on, oh, what happened to West Indies, six-hitting six hit, six ability, et cetera, et cetera. But similar to the old Yai side, our bowling has gone under the radar. And similar to the ODI side, arguably, Obed McCoy and Akil Hussain, take them out. How much of a strike bowling threat do we actually possess um, in, in T20 cricket? We, we, we saw um, West Indies beat India in the second T20 uh, a few days ago. And that was largely off the back of Odin Smith taking... Uh, historic figures of six for seventeen, right? But how many? T- oh, Dean Smith, sorry, Obed McCoy. How many times is Ob- how many times are we going to be able to rely on Obed McCoy taking six for seventeen, or an Akil Hussain going at like one or two for uh, twenty-seven, or, or something like that? And yes, some people say to me, "Oh, what about Jason Holder?" But even if you include Jason Holder, that's only twelve overs. That still leaves eight overs of licks to come. <laughs> from someone else Um, so I'm still worried Santoki that we don't have I don't have confidence that we can produce 20 overs of non-lickable bowling I think at the bare minimum there's always four overs of licks somewhere in our bowling 
Yeah, 100%. I agree with you there, Mash. I think we're heavily reliant. I mean, Obed McCoy, unbelievable six wickets against India in that second OGI. We are um, in that second T20. We've seen him do it time and time again, though. We saw it at Sussex and for West Indies. When he does take wickets, he takes clusters, four or five, six. But you can't rely on that every game. And as you said, we've given Alzari Joseph um, a spot in the T20 side to try and see if he can strike ball. Unfortunately, at the moment, it hasn't come off. Sheldon Cottrell's injured. I don't think we'll see Sheldon Cottrell in West Indies colours um, for the World Cup. Do you just do you go with Jaden Seals and have Jaden Seals play in all three formats? Um, we're just desperate. At this, at this time, our only philosophy is we have to hit big. We have to hit 200 plus in Australia and just hope that our bowlers can contain, contain a mammoth target because if it's a 140 chase for a side, they're going to do it easy because, as you said, there'll be 12 overs where you can easily easily dish out licks with our current bowling side. So, for me, it's a real shame that Ravi Rampal isn't, like, two, three years younger. I think Ravi Rampal, 33, 34, in tandem mm. with Oban McCoy would have been perfect um, for opening and death bowling in, in the power play, stripe wicket takers. But we haven't been able to replace Rampal. And Oben McCoy has a lot of pressure on him. Bearing in mind as well, he was injured at the last World Cup after the first game. So he's not exactly 100% fitness-wise. So we can't rely on him as our wicket-taker. If Obed McCoy gets injured at this World Cup, I don't know right, where, no, if we finished. are going to get anyone. Finished. We're finished. We're not even getting out of the qualifiers. We're finished. <laughs> we're, we're, we're finished. <laughs> and the thing is, so, you say Rampal, we've never actually... We, we ain't... Rep- People will be like, why are you talking about Rampal? But... Even in that last World Cup, okay, Rampal didn't take many wickets, but he did offer some control. Uh, uh, mm. DJ Bravo offered some control. But Darren Sammy has spoken about this. The issue is we've got containing bowlers. We don't have a lot of strike bowlers. And this is why I think they are persisting with like an old Dean Smith and a Romario Shepard, because they're hoping that one of them can become a strike bowler in this format of cricket. But it's not happened yet and to be honest Santoki I went and uh, dug a bit further and I looked at the CPL squads so I was like who knows maybe somebody might appear um, during CPL and get like Ravi Rampal did and then got a random call to uh, the the 2021 World Cup but when when I look for the CPL squad Santoki just very quickly I look for I'm just for each team I'm just going to tell you who the Caribbean or West Indian strike bowler is in their side. And once I've told you that person, I want you to tell me if you take any of them to the World Cup. So, so for the Talawas, Nicholson Gordon. For St. Lucia King, Kings, sorry, Alzari Joseph or Preston McSween. Trimbago, Jaden Seals or Anderson Phillips. St. Kitts, Sheldon Cottrell, if he's fit. And that's it. Barbados Royals, O'Shane Thomas. That's it. Guyana Amazon Warriors, I guess Goodakesh Multi, but we're talking about Seamers here. So Chemo Paul. And and that's it. My point being, Santoki, as we kind of said with the ODI side, we don't have that many options. We just don't. Mm. When we're talking about strike bowlers, we just don't have that many options. And the best T20 sides 
don't just have one. They have two or three. Like, so England, I'm not saying England are one of the best T20 sides, but for example, with England, they might turn to a Time or Mills. They might turn um, to Adil Rashid. Do, do, do you see I mean? Like, they've got uh, some strike bowlers they can turn to go, go get me a wicket. If, if you see what I mean. I just look at our side and I'm like, boy, so it's Obed McCoy at the front end and the back end and everybody else. Can you just go for a low economy? Or is, is there something I'm missing here, Santoki? Well, to be honest, though, I think we've benefited historically from the fact that the World Cup 3-1 were in the subcontinent where we could rely on spin. The Ryan Badry, Ben, and medium mm. pace to get us wickets. DJ Bravo, like you said, even Marlon Samuels would pop up with a few wickets of spin. I think, bearing in mind, this is the first World Cup in a long time will be played on pitches where you'll need pace bowling. It's basically... Um, shown, highlighted, a massive structural issue we have in West Indies cricket, which is strike bowlers in the shorter format. We've got aware of it because of the World Cups being in the subcontinent, but this is the first time where, yeah, like I said, we're going to rely on pace bowling. We just don't have those attributes in the side. I mean, Ravi Rampal has probably been the only, up until Obed McCoy, the only world-class strike bowler we've had over the past 10 years in the shorter format, so if you think about it. So um, it's a shame O'Shane Thomas, Alzari Joseph haven't sort of kicked on in the format, but it is what it is. At this point, I think is essentially damage limitation. We're just going to have to take the likes of Odeon and Romario to Australia and just hope they come good on the big stage. But I would even go so far to say, whilst I'm, I'm not even going to make any statements that we're going to win the World Cup or anything, I would just say it's probably long-term, bearing in mind the makeup of the squad, the experience, it's probably preparation for the home World Cup in, in uh, mm. West Indies, which will take place in 2024. So I think they'll just use it as a building block. I, I don't think any fans can... I mean, they will because it's West Indies, but I don't think any fans realistically should expect us to go to the World Cup and even probably make the semi-finals. I asked you about the OGI World Cup and you claimed we're going we're gonna to get through the qualifiers and make it to the, to the final section. So I have to ask you the same for the T20 World Cup. Are we even going to get past Ireland, Scotland and Zimbabwe? Let's just deal with that first. Are we going to get past them? Just answer that first. You know what? Because it's a group of four and two go through, I think we we will go through. It wouldn't surprise me if we came second. We might not top the group. We might get a loss to Zimbabwe or Ireland, but I think we'll have enough quality in that side to get past them uh, to at least finish in the top two. So I'm confident we'll actually make the main stage, but... When it's the main stage in Australia and you're facing the likes of Pakistan, India, Australia, England, oh, it's going to be three in the morning for us. It's not. It's it's it's, it's going to be painful times. So what I've what I've said is I think we'll make it through the qualifiers, and I think realistically, West Indian fans, I you know what you know what we're like. Not us two, but West Indian fans in general. There's going to be a cuss out if they don't make it out of the World Cup group. Um, in terms of the main stage. But actually, Santelki, I actually think the aim should just be come back with more wins than in 2021. So if they go to the main stage of the World Cup and win two out of five, I'm accepting that. I'm, <laughs> I'm accepting that as progress. Three would be nice, but I, I do not believe it is realistic to expect this side to get to the semifinals and further uh, in the 2022 World Cup. Yeah, and like I said, I think Cricket West Indies are probably thinking of a blueprint as to how we can win the Home World Cup in two years and how this can help us on that stage. Um, I think it'd be unrealistic for the administration to expect West Indies to win the World Cup this year just because it's come at such short notice. With the team in transition to only have a year between two World Cups, it was always going to be against us. So yeah, I, I think we'll just use this as a building block um, going forward. And then yeah, hopefully... Hopefully we can get a few wins because I think that will give the side a lot of confidence going forward. Um, if we don't, if we get less than two wins, then boy, 
the cuff out is going to be unparalleled. They, they, they might not be able to come home, you know. <laughs> if they, but listen, if, if they go World Cup and they don't even get out of the, the qualifying group, what Sydney's might have to disband there and then, you know. That might be the, that might be the end. That might be the end of what Sydney as we know it. <laughs> But as as ever, people, as we always say, if there's any topics um, in in the in the course of this show that you've listened to, you're like, nah, I don't agree with you, or yeah, I agree with you. Either way, send your comments in. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Carib Cricket. Um, you can also send us an email if you want to send us a long essay or dissertation about your views uh, at caribcricket at gmail.com. And that's if you want us to hear your uh, get your your views on air and discuss them and so and so on and so forth but santoki it's goodbye from me is it goodbye from you yeah that's been episode three of west indies cricket on 99.94 fm and we're not even going to tell you what our next topic episode is going to be about because so much happens in west indies cricket who knows what is going to happen over the course of the next two or three days all i do know is you guys need to stay locked in tuned in episode four will be coming out a few days after this so we'll see you then they locked people thanks for listening to west indies on 99.94 please rate review and subscribe you can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps if you'd like to follow us personally go to at carib cricket on twitter and instagram you can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94 if you'd like to follow us personally you can find santoki at santoki89 and Michelle at mash st paddy remember if you love cricket then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. 